say a hearty amen to John's uh, prayer for me as I bring the word this morning. And uh, always feel free to pray for me as I'm preaching. I am a clay pot and I need the Lord's uh, desperate help. At some point, nearly every believer, nearly every believer, enters into a path of life where they have to take a long journey of prayer. There are some exceptions. Uh, sometimes people come to know the Lord very late in life. The thief on the cross would be an example. Um, my mom came to know the Lord when uh, she was 94, the great mercies of God. Amen. And... Uh, then there's some who come to know the Lord in oppressed countries and they lose their lives immediately. But by and large, believers who have some path of pilgrimage with the Lord, some years to add up, will enter into a long journey of prayer for something. Last Sunday when I was preaching on the good news of Jesus for the kids, as well as adult kids, um, and I, I referenced that I'd be speaking on long journeys of prayer. I had a few different adults come to me and say, well, I've been on a long journey of prayer from one of my adult kids. And that is a common uh, statement that I hear and that other pastors hear, that other brothers and sisters in Christ hear. But there can be other long journeys of prayer. I was just asking uh, Ed before I came up here about Pastor Mark in Tanzania. He and his wife are involved in a ministry uh, in Tanzania rescuing uh, young teenage girls from tribal abuse and uh, he recently had to be driven from his home because the corrupt Tanzanian government was just seizing lands for big game hunters and any men who are considered influential men who might oppose it were at risk of being arrested so Pastor Mark considered to be an influential man had to flee for a time praise the Lord he's back in Tanzania but think of that journey of prayer that he and his wife were on and here they are seeking to care for these uh, young teenage girls. Uh, that long journey of prayer might be for a very extremely difficult marriage. It might be during the terrors of war. Think of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine who uh, flee with a backpack or a suitcase or a, a shopping bag. It can be for a sick child or perhaps um, an adult uh, child with special needs uh, that uh, takes constant care or might be a an adult in the family circle that uh, needs special caregiving. Could be for a medical condition, obstacles in ministry, might be for con constant financial distress. Um, I had uh, one of our ladies tell me last week, again, when I just simply referenced about the long journey of prayer, she told me the story goes back some years back when jobs were hard to find that she knew a Christian couple that for 10 years... They were having trouble finding work to meet their bills, several times coming close to foreclosure on their house, and they just kept praying. And time and again, right at the what we would call the last moment, and the Lord is never late, seldom early, but never late, um, the Lord would come through, and they were able to keep their home, and uh, they had to just keep holding on to the Lord for a decade. So, the, and there, so there could be any number of trials. I want you to stop right now. I, I mean this. I want you to stop right now and think. What is the circumstance that some of you have for a long journey of prayer? 
And it's that one where you're saying, well, it wouldn't be that one. You know, it probably is that one that you don't want to think about and maybe feeling like I, it's kind of hopeless. We just sang that wonderful phrase um, that the Lord rescuing us from our hopelessness. I want you to think, what is that long journey of prayer that you are facing? And some long journeys of prayer don't end until we reach heaven. Some of them don't end until we get to be with the Lord. We're going to Luke chapter 11 today. Luke chapter 11. And I had John read Psalm 25, and I would encourage you at some point for your own long journey of prayer... Different times uh, as you're working through something with the Lord, read Psalm 25. Read it out loud to yourself. Read it as a prayer to the Lord. It It is a remarkable psalm in how it covers so much of what goes on inside our souls and what goes on in the paths of our footsteps with our Lord. Psalm 25 is rich and abundant in the grace of the Lord and the work of the Spirit sustaining his people. So I had John read that as a background, but today we go to Luke 11, and the first part of what we recognize is oftentimes what is called the Lord's Prayer, but really more accurately could be called the Lord's Prayer lesson. And uh, one of the disciples comes asking, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus not only gives them the lesson, but he prepares them for something more and something further. So let's look at Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Or may your name be held in holiness. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, and the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, that's the ESV word, I think a stronger, clearer word would be boldness. Because of his boldness or shamelessness, he's not, in other words, not afraid to ask, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus takes them beyond the first question, the first request, teach us to pray. And in, in, to put it in a human way, I'm certain as the Lord Jesus was waiting for the Father's work in their hearts to stir this desire, Jesus was joyfully ready to teach his disciples about this and get them ready for the long journey of prayer. What do we need for the long journey of prayer? I want you to think for a minute what oftentimes hinders us. Just think that over for a minute. What hinders us? And I think we'll see some answers here uh, from what our Lord says that will help us. And I'm going to describe in this way the four, uh, at least here, four key requirements on how to travel the long journey of prayer. Now, I'm going to describe in this way, and if you want to word them differently, that's fine. This is just my outline for my thoughts, and if you end up wording it differently, that's great for how it stays in your heart. A teachable heart, a truth foundation, active boldness, and childlike trust. A teachable heart, a truth foundation, an active boldness, and a childlike trust. So let's see what's happening here. So we have here just in verse 1, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Uh, Some have called Luke the gospel of prayer. Prayer is a recurring theme in Luke, and Luke oftentimes tells us about Jesus praying. Jesus was a man of prayer. That alone should give us pause. Here is the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, truly God, truly man, and as he is on his earthly ministry, he is praying. And that should help us understand, too, that prayer is more than just the idea of like we're bringing our requests. It is a bond of fellowship restored to the believer in Christ when he saves us from our sins and brings us into the family of God. This takes us all the way back in the Garden of Eden before sin had entered and Adam and Eve had sinned against the Lord, that uh, they would walk with the Lord in the cool of the day and have fellowship with him. We have to understand that this is what's happening here with even a long journey of prayer. It's that fellowship with the Father. But we have to be teachable where the Lord can teach us how we pray. Please notice when they came to Jesus, and this man, we don't know who the disciple was. He probably was the spokesman. He was one of those that the others are saying, you go ask him. (laughs) You go ask him. Because he comes, one disciple comes saying, teach us to pray. This is something stirring now in the disciples. And please notice Jesus does not say, well, you don't learn about prayer. You just do it. No, Jesus knew they had to be taught about prayer. We have to be taught about prayer. Remember, uh, our coming to the Heavenly Father and coming in in the way the Spirit wants us to is a battle against the dullness of our own flesh and the distractions of our own evil. Um, So 
we have to learn, how do I come to you, Lord, and, and what do I say? And I want to say, too, if you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to stress right now, not only at this point, but through the rest of the passage, this just won't connect with you. This won't resonate with you. This, at best, will sound like some religious talk, but in the idea of talking about a personal bond with the Heavenly Father and a personal bond with Christ, it doesn't connect to you. It's foreign to you. And I urge you today, today, come to Christ as Savior. There is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can save you from your sins rescue you from hell, and give you the assurance that the condemnation you deserve as a lost sinner and rebel fell on Christ instead at the cross in your place. Come to Christ today. We have a booklet back there called Ultimate Questions. Help yourself to one of those. Read through it. If you have questions, come back, ask me, or somebody here you know. Say, I want to understand this more. There might be another booklet there, Knowing God Personally. But today, let today be the day. Let today be the day. Young person, teenager, uh, man or woman, let this be the day you come to Christ as Savior. Let it be today. But the disciple comes, and Jesus is going to teach them. And we start with that, realizing, I need a teachable heart. That's why Jesus said, prayer is not vain repetitions. Uh, I had a chance to meet a uh, young man, a believer in Christ in Nigeria, came out of a Muslim background, and I asked him, how did you come to Christ? And he said, well, I was in college, and some of my friends in college invited me to a prayer meeting. And he said, I went there, and I noticed one was praying for their sick grandmother, another one was praying for a job so they'd have money to go to school. Another one was asking prayer and praying about uh, one of the courses they were struggling with. And he said, as a Muslim, I did my prayers. But he says, they were talking to the Lord personally, and it really struck me. And he came to Christ and began uh, serving the Lord in ministry teachable heart and some of you are thinking well i'm so awkward in prayer we all start somewhere we all start somewhere and i do want you to notice the us the we the are we learn from one another we learn from one another i remember coming to christ and starting to go to prayer meeting when i was growing up and sitting with men and we would be praying and i would listen to how they pray and i was learning how i should be praying We learn from one another. We all start somewhere. But we have to have a teachable heart. We have to have the heart of the disciples. That's what Jesus is showing us here. That's what the Spirit of God is impressing upon us. Have a teachable heart. Have a teachable heart. And any of us who have known the Lord for years, there's more to learn. There's more to learn. Now, second, in order to have that long journey of prayer we need a truth foundation now i was going to call it a biblical foundation a doctrinal foundation that just struck me as like that kind of sounds like something you'd hear us preachers say so i'm calling it a truth foundation because there's a lot of screwy ideas out there among people who think they're talking bible or 
they're picking up their theology from the Hallmark Channel or any number of things, and they don't really know the truth of what God's word says. I've done, oh man, I've done funerals where the family circle supposedly knows the Lord, and then some relative will get up, well, we miss dad, but we know now he's got his angel wings. And I'm like, no, he doesn't have his angel wings. You know, you just hear all kinds of things. The word of God shapes our hearts and minds with the truth so we know how to pray. And this is what Jesus does. This is why he gives them a lesson and a pattern for prayer. Let's look at verses 2 to 4. And again, we know this well, but he's forming in them a framework of their mind. And yes, you can memorize it and quote it, but I don't think Jesus wanted it to stop there. He wanted it to begin there. So let's look at verses 2 to 4. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive anyone anyone who's indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. He teaches this pattern because he wants to impress upon them some key points to lay that foundation for prayer in their lives. He talks about a relationship with the Father that also holds the Heavenly Father in holiness and reverence. A kingdom passion for life and for our own role in that. A daily dependence on the Father. They didn't have refrigerators They had to daily line up their food. Still like that in a lot of places in Africa and other parts of the world, it is daily that you line up your food. And so just in a simple way, same way he said, a man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God when Jesus was answering Satan's temptations. That that theme, bread, that daily bread was the theme of that daily sustenance. Lord, Give us today. What do I need today, Lord? You know what I need today. I don't even know for certain what I need today. You know what I need today. A daily dependence on the Father, a desire to have the Father's grace and forgiveness for our own lives, and in turn to show the grace of forgiveness to others. A burden to have the Father keep moving us away from temptations And to guard us from the evil one in his traps. It's an interesting phrase, but I really do believe at times by how Jesus asked questions and by how Jesus formed statements. He had a way of doing it that put a barb on it, like that little thing on the hook for when you're fishing. Had a little barb to stick you. Father, lead us not into temptation. Of course, we think like, well, why would he lead me into temptation anyhow? Well, that's not what Jesus' point is. It's To put it another way, Father, I want you to lead me and make certain it's always away from my temptations. Sometimes you've been frustrated because you really wanted to get to that end of the bowling season party or some gathering over here or you wanted to go to that fair that was happening down in Albany and you ended up with two flat tires and then there was a traffic jam and you never got there. Say, I was really looking forward to that. And the Heavenly Father says, didn't you ask me to lead you away from temptation? 
I knew what was there, and I know you. <laughs> so there are times when he interrupts our schedule, and he's answering the prayer of leading us away from what would tempt us. So Jesus lines up this pattern to have them begin to think, what should go into my prayer life? What's the foundation? What's the truth foundation? And the word of God is always building that more and more in us. When you start reading more in the Psalms, you start even reading in the Old Testament, and the word of God is alive and powerful, and you'll be reading some story. Uh, uh, and Pastor Stephen, uh, he and I went to visit somebody in the hospital, so he had a, a, a tape on, a tape, um, a tape. What? It happened. I find it was my E-track. Yeah, that's. <laughs> well, I know you're paying attention. He had that thing on, and um, we're listening to a sermon, and uh, it was about uh, King Ahaziah and um, uh, Elijah and whatever. And we're listening. It's one of the Old Testament settings, and I'm listening to this. And the Lord is like meeting with me and probing me and searching me out, and I'm. And just working in me. And I, I thank the Lord for that. I'm telling you, when you read the word of God, it begins to shape your heart, change your heart, prepare your heart for how you need to be praying at that point in your life. So it's very important to continue to hear the word of God. When we hear messages, sermons from God's word, it's not so we can build up information. It's so that our minds will be transformed our perspectives will be changed. That we'll have a handle on the truth of what God says. And if anyone here, and I see some of our young men and women, you're growing up in an age of, well, that's your truth, Greg, and I have my truth. No, there is one truth. You know, one of the things I love about ministering to those from a Muslim background, and I was, I was talking to uh, 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 Harold and Becky, who have served uh, for years in the Middle East, um, just to confirm that I had a right handle on this, it's in the DNA of those from a Muslim culture that there can only be one truth. They do not buy into the Starbucks mentality. Well, there might be your truth, and you have your truth, I have my truth. The Muslims, no, there can only be one truth. Otherwise, it makes no sense to even talk about truth. And so we want the truth of God shaping our hearts and minds ongoing so when we're praying we're praying according to the will of god you pray according to the will of god you can be assured god will answer and delight to show you his answers and his power so teachable heart a truth foundation and then we come to a parable and i'm calling this active boldness it's a little bit of a challenge by the wording but i i think is the word of God is always clear enough to get the point across, but it has a couple little twists and turns. Well, let's look at verses 5 to 9. And Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend, and it's this long question, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, in other words, would your friend answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything? I tell you, though he'll not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or boldness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. 
And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus tells the story of three friends. There's the traveling friend. There is the hosting friend. And there's the friend in bed. So you have three friends here. So the traveling friend comes at midnight. It's been a long journey Perhaps he wanted to travel in the cool of the day, and now he has arrived at his friend's home, and the hosting friend has no bread to set before him. So the host goes to his friend, and it's midnight, and is knocking on the door. He says, now, how many of you would have a friend that would say, look, it's late, my kids are already in bed, you're disrupting the whole household? How many have a friend that would answer that way, but rather a friend who would say, I'm going to give you what you need because of your boldness. It's the picture is a little hard for us to grasp right off the bat. First of all, hospitality was key and still key in the Middle East. And then there's again, that daily bread provision. And so the bread for that day was gone. Perhaps the neighbor has some. And also, there is the setting of like, well, is is this really an urgent thing? But it is urgent. And then he says, he may not answer the door because of friendship, but he will answer the door because of the boldness. So let me see if I can describe it this way. Suppose, last Tuesday, I'm working on the message, and I'm having trouble with the passage, grasping something. And I'm lying awake at night. It's 2 in the morning. And I'm thinking, I'll bet Stephen has a couple commentaries that would help me. So I pick up the phone at 2 a.m. and I call Stephen. Wake up Stephen, I wake up Mary, Rebecca and John, they hear Dad talking, they wake up. And I say, Stephen, I'm having trouble with this passage. Do you have a couple commentaries I could borrow? Now, Stephen's a friend. And... He may not say what he's really thinking, but he might say, do you think this could have waited till after breakfast? Yeah, but I was just thinking about it now. Well, he might not get out of bed, even for the sake of our friendship. He might just say, let me, let me catch you after breakfast. Okay. And we'll go to my library and we'll get you some commentaries. Here's a different setting. Because you can see right away, Greg, you don't need the commentaries at 2 a.m. But let's suppose it's the middle of February, and one of our widows calls me and says, my pellet stove just stopped working. And I called the deacon that usually comes and takes care of it. He's out of town. I didn't know what to do, Greg. I called you, and I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll be right over. And I'm thinking, who could go with me? So I call Stephen. It's 2 a.m. I say, I just got a call from widow so-and-so. Pellet stove isn't working. Wake up Stephen. Wake up Mary, Rebecca, John. Stephen will not say, can't this wait till breakfast? He'll say, I'll meet you there in a few minutes. Now, what is the difference? The difference, it's not just my boldness to ask. This is what Jesus is driving home. It's the fact that I knew I could be so bold 
with a trusted friendship that I would call him at 2 a.m. for somebody in need. I would not call him at 2 a.m. for a commentary, but I would call him at 2 a.m. for a widow in need. And in fact, suppose, and this has happened many times among even us as elders and deacons and maybe among some of you, suppose I had not called him, the question would be, why didn't you call me? You can call me. When you have a pressing need, you can be so bold and assured of my friendship, you can call me. Some of you have a 2 a.m. friend that when you are facing something really difficult, you literally can call them at 2 a.m. and they'll be disappointed if you don't. That's what Jesus is stressing here. He's stressing an act of boldness. And he words it in this way. He paints the picture. He said, that man may not get out of bed just simply because of the friendship, but the boldness of the situation called for it, and that friend will arise. And he is impressing upon us that the Heavenly Father... And this is where we can get thrown for a loop here, reading it and not meditating on it. We can think like, well, the Heavenly Father is hesitant to answer until we're bold. That's not Jesus' point. Jesus is saying, do you realize in your pressing need, you can boldly go to the Heavenly Father and be assured he is ready to answer? It's wonderful in the book of Hebrews twice. In the book of Hebrews, in a little background, the book of Hebrews written to Christians who are in danger of drifting away into ritual of their old Hebrew background, danger of drifting away into dead religion, danger of drifting away just uh, going back to their old way of life. And he's calling them back, calling them back to have a fervent and living and active faith. And twice he says, come boldly to the throne of grace, being fully assured of faith, knowing that you will find grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. Come boldly. Moses spoke with God as a man speaks with his friend. Abraham was a friend of God. Jesus says, you are no longer my servants. You are my friends. Jesus is impressing upon them, you may come boldly to this friend. You are never bothering your heavenly father now why do we need this let's let's stop and do a little self-reflection here you're on some long journey some challenge some long journey of prayer isn't there a danger for us that we settle in that we simply just resign ourselves that we kind of throw a casual prayer once in a while in that direction and that secretly we think it's not going to change. And Jesus says, you have to know you can and you must come boldly to the throne of grace. And that's why Jesus adds these next statements here. Look at verses 9 and 10 with me, please. Look at your Bible. 
I tell you the truth, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. In their language it would sound, carry more of a sound like this. Verse 9, I tell all of you, keep asking and it will keep being given to you. Keep seeking and you will keep finding. Keep knocking and it will continue to be opened to you. For each one of you who keeps asking will keep receiving. And the one who keeps seeking will keep finding. And the one who keeps knocking will keep having it opened. I want you to notice he goes from the plural to the singular. A little grammar lesson here. He goes to plural, all of you, to each of you. Do you I think You know why he does this? is because we are people of exception clauses. We are people of the yes, but. Have you ever done that with the Lord? You hear from God, God's word what he says? Yes, but. That's our exception clause. Yes, but. And Jesus says, I am telling you, each one, each one, no exception. No exception. And he says, you keep asking, and you're going to be receiving. You keep seeking, you will be finding. You keep knocking, it will be open to you. I love the phrase we've often talked about, it, and we've had our men's Bible study and talking about prayer, when King Hezekiah is surrounded by the Assyrians in Jerusalem in the Old Testament. And maybe some of you have been surrounded by the Assyrians too in your life. And uh, so, surrounded by the Assyrians, they've sent this mocking letter like, where is your God? <laughs> uh, please note, Hezekiah, that we have conquered all the other gods of the nations. Uh, where is your God? So Hezekiah takes the letter, goes to the temple, lays it out before the Lord, and cries out to God. This is the king crying out to God. And then three wonderful words that God starts off with. Because you prayed. Wow, I, I mean, there's some wonderful phrases in the Bible. I, I keep that one kind of tattooed on my brain. Because you prayed. God answered and defeated the Assyrians. That was a pretty big battle and a pretty awesome victory. Jesus is impressing upon us here an act of boldness. And I want to stress, too, and have us stop to think about this. He doesn't say, I tell you, ask, and it will be given as you sit back and wait. He doesn't say that. Ask, and it will be given as you sit back and wait. I'll give you a very flattened example. But it actually kind of ties in with the example I told you of that Christian couple for 10 years praying waiting upon the Lord, and they kept seeking to find where they could find employment, and they kept knocking on doors. And a little would come in, a little would come in, and finally there'd be enough, just that amount, house didn't go into foreclosure. And then they'd go through another year like that, and another year like that. You ask, and then you seek some progress in some way. And then when you see the opportunity, you knock on it. You say, well, how does that work with people? Well, 
Uh, there might be some challenge you are facing, whatever, and it ties in with another person. And you cry out to your Lord, Lord, I need help with this. I don't know what to do with it. I'm running out of energy. I'm running out of resources. I'm running out of ideas. And you cry out to your Lord boldly. And he will answer. And then you start seeking. What is it you need? Maybe you need someone to come alongside and assist you. Maybe you need the insight from a fellow believer who's gone through it before. You start asking around trusted brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm facing this or that. I don't know what to do with it. You seek and you start finding more answers. And then an opportunity arises Some way a door begins to open in a new way, and he says, you knock on that door. Sooner or later, a door will open. You see, this is what happens. This gets us off the plateau, gets us out of the hopelessness. This is the act of boldness where we keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking. And why does it work this way? Why isn't the Heavenly Father just a vending machine? Where we pop in a prayer, pop in a little bigger prayer, you get a little bigger answer. No, why is it he's not a vending machine? Again, what did we find from the beginning? This is our bond and relationship with him. Any any godly father who has worked with a son or daughter that is teachable and open to wisdom and wants to learn the paths of life, finds that as that son or daughter comes with an open heart to learn and, and, and knows boldly they can ask dad for what they need and what they're facing, that it binds their hearts together and it joins them closer together in the journey together. That's why the Heavenly Father is approaching it that way with us, to pull us closer in. That act of boldness where we are convinced our Heavenly Father has such a deep friendship with us. We're not afraid to ask. And sometimes I'll, I'll talk with people and urge them about prayer. Sometimes with men, but more often with women. I've had this happen numerous times over the years as a pastor. A woman will say, I... I Well, I would pray with other women, but when I start to pray, I start weeping. Do you know the problem isn't, why are you weeping? Do you know what the problem is? Why am I not weeping? I urge any of you who hold back from praying because your emotions will get overwhelmed, you'll start weeping, you'll start crying before God, would you please... (laughs) do that (laughs) would you please do that to help those of us who are so prone to routine because we've been praying for decades you don't know what you do to set fire to our hearts i'm serious on that you do not realize you do not realize the good company you are in with the prophet jeremiah with the apostle paul with others through the ages of God's program, weeping before God boldly, Lord, here is my need. So he says we need that act of boldness. So be a teachable heart, a truth foundation, act of boldness. But then finally, the last few verses are very important and helpful for us as well. Very important. 
because he uncovers, he uncovers us a little bit here. Look at verses 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you look at Matthew, when Jesus is teaching the same framework of prayer, the same kinds of lesson on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you good gifts? Here, with his disciples, he says, even give you the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting way he words that, and we'll get to that in a moment. But look at the verses here. Look at 11 and 12. Ask for a fish, get a serpent. Ask for an egg, get a scorpion. Um, That stands out clearly enough, but they had some fish, pardon me, they had some serpents, pardon me, some serpents that in the water looked like fish. And you had to be careful. Also, the scorpions back in that time, and maybe even today, I don't know, uh, they're really white in color, not black, and they would, or gray, and they would roll up in a ball during the heat of the day, and they could look like a stone. He is saying, you fathers, would you pull a trick like that on your, your child? They ask for a fish, you give them a serpent. They ask for an egg, you give them a scorpion. Why does Jesus ask him this question? He is uncovering in us, and don't we struggle with this? Lord, I'm afraid how you're going to answer. Some of you are afraid, perhaps, to ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me in full-time ministry? Do you want to take me into another land, another culture? Do you want me to give up my comforts for a special calling? And you're afraid to ask because you're afraid of the answer. Or you're in that long journey of prayer with some very difficult situation, and uh, you would like to see a breakthrough, but in a way you're afraid to ask Because what if it requires something new of me? To put it very bluntly, Jesus says, do you think the Heavenly Father is going to pull a trick on you? Do you think he's going to be mean? I mean, that's pretty bold, but he's getting the point across, revealing the problem of unbelief, the evil in our own flesh, And the very fact that it goes right back to the roots when Satan to Adam and Eve was getting them to doubt the goodness of God. His answers are always good. We may not see the goodness right off the bat, but I remember years ago asking a little survey here of people, how many of you have gone through a difficult trial in life and after you came out on the other side, While the trial was difficult, you never would have traded it for what you learned about the Lord, and hands went up all over the place. You may not see the goodness of it right away, but remember the disciples could not see the goodness of the Master dying on the cross. But then Sunday morning came. Sunday morning came. We may not see the goodness right away, but all our Heavenly Father does is good for his glory, for what we need in our lives. And Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, have a childlike trust. And don't we need that reminder? If I'm the only one in this room, I am happy for the rest of you. Then this sermon, point four, is for Greg alone. Just in case, 
Anyone else here struggles with that childlike trust? This is what our Lord Jesus says. You trust your heavenly father. He is good. And he never pulls tricks on you. You know, I hear out in the culture like, well, when something good happens, you always have to, like, something bad has to balance it out. There's a wonderful verse in Proverbs. The blessing of the Lord makes one prosperous, and he adds no sorrow to it. It doesn't mean we don't face sorrows. What Proverbs is saying there, the Heavenly Father never says, well, I want to bless you, but i got to balance it out with something bad. That is not how the Heavenly Father works with his beloved children. He may and does send affliction to keep us close to him, to reveal to us how we need to grow, but he never sends the affliction because i got to balance out the good gift I gave you. It's kind of like giving your child, your 10-year-old boy, um, a brand-new bike because his other one's broken. Listen, i got a brand-new bike for you. That's great. And listen, the spanking will come later. What do you mean the spanking will come later? Well, I'm giving you a new bike. i got to balance that out with a spanking. New York State, he'd be arrested anyhow. But um, that is not the way our Heavenly Father works with his beloved children. All he does is good. So I want to today leave that with us here. The long journeys of prayer. I hope you have thought, as I urged us to think, where is the long journey of prayer you're facing? Have you lapsed into just hopelessness, giving up? Fear, resignation, instead of seeing, my Lord wants to do something with this more. Keep that teachable heart, keep that truth foundation, keep that active boldness, keep that childlike trust. I urge those of you that are afraid, hesitant, awkward, whatever word it is, or maybe just complacent, and you've never come on Wednesday nights to pray with your brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you what will happen. And I, I've had times where I'm tired. Wednesday night, if I'm working all day and I come home, sit down, have supper, and like I could just sit in that chair for an hour. I have never been disappointed by sitting with a fellow, with a brother in Christ. We break into women with women, men with men, we pray. I've never been disappointed. I've never thought I would have rather been sitting at home in my chair. No, I find out something for my brother in Christ. I find out how to pray for him. And then I listen as he prays for me. And then together we pray for the church and its ministry and our missionaries and our brothers and sisters in Christ in the world. Some of you need to take that step. You need to take that step to grow your faith to be men and women of prayer. You need that. And I urge you, keep reading the word and let the word shape how you think of the Lord, his glory, his majesty, his kingdom, and his purposes. And I urge you also, you, the Heavenly Father has big shoulders. You can, say to, you can say to him, Father, you know I confess to you. I've, I've been afraid to ask because I have a feeling you're going to do something in my heart in order to move this along. But I'm confessing that to you. I thank you for your forgiveness. I want you to show me your good hand at work. I urge us on these long journeys of prayer, press on, let the Lord work, call on him. And when you're listening to someone who's facing a challenge, and and at times I see people after church praying with one another, it's so good. When someone shares with you a burden, 
stop right then. They may need that jump start where you can say to them, look, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm going to pray with you right now. Before this week is out, you will see the Lord's hand at work in some new way. Watch how the Lord will work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today and your very precious and wonderful people. I ask your rich grace upon us. Father, I thank you for the ways you have been working in my own heart through this passage, and I'm grateful, and I I hold my brothers and sisters up to you, ask for your grace and the power of your word to bear great fruit. And again, Lord, we're asking any you've brought today that have never met you, Father, through faith in Jesus Christ, that today will be the day they come to Christ, that they will not leave till they talk to me or someone else for the answers to the questions of their heart that your spirit is stirring. How do I know Christ? All honor and glory and praise to you, our Lord, for your word, your grace, and your promises. Amen.